0: Well, welcome to Gateway Church. It's so good to have you. My name is Carlos. I'm our North Campus pastor and elite executive pastor. I want to welcome all of our campuses who are watching today from Buda and South, Central, Pflugerville, Dripping Springs, and everybody online. So, North, will you welcome everybody today as we stream today's service? So good to have you. Um, You know, we we are starting this series called Flourishing, and and really, um, it's not a series to kind of hype everybody up, right? It's not a series like, oh, you're going to make it, it's going to be great, even though we do believe that. We do believe that better days are coming. It's a song that we all heard today live at our campuses. It's more about asking ourselves the question, are we hoping for better days to come, or are we positioning ourselves for better days to come? And and there's a huge difference to sit around and say, well, you know, I I hope I find a job, but you've never put a resume together. I'm I'm dreaming for the dream job, but you haven't applied anywhere. As though somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I saw you at church one Sunday. Do you need a job? And we can wish and hope for these better days, and yet what we sense as pastors and leaders is, how are we as individuals taking responsibility to take ownership and say, how do we better position ourselves for better days to come, especially when it comes to our soul, especially when it comes to our spirit person that God has put in us? How are we flourishing? Are we flourishing? Are we not flourishing? And it's not just a question we're asking you as individuals, or that we're asking ourselves as staff members and pastors and leaders. It's a question we're asking our church. It's a question we're asking Gateway Church. Anybody who calls Gateway home, who associates with Gateway, we are asking everybody to be on a journey with us over the next week or two, because we're doing, for the first time in years, an all-church survey. Because there's something about data or data, And I, I've, just, I've asked people how do you say it? somebody ask you, Who says data? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Who says data? Raise your hand. Who doesn't care? Raise both hands. There you go. And when I ask people that question, they're like, "Oh, I say data, wait a minute. Sometimes I say data. Who, who, it really doesn't matter. It's information. And the information does tell a story. And so on your screen right now, you're going to see a QR code. Uh, and you've, you've already received this in an email last week, or we will be receiving it this week. And when you get that, I know some of you are not email people. You just have it because you need to have it to have your gaming and all the other kind of stuff. I get it. Well, will you check it this week because it's really important. You taking that survey, whether you're a teenager in the room, whether you're 75, 80 years old or older, we want everybody to give that feedback because the data will give us information as a church on having self-awareness. This is an endeavor of self-awareness, not just for our church, but for you. So you're gonna have a lot of questions asked of you today and the weeks to come. How am I flourishing? Am I flourishing? Where am I flourishing? Where am I not? And why is that important? So really, we want you to participate in this. Do this with your family at home. Do this around a group if you, if you can. Do it with your roommates. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your... Whoever is in your life ask them to take this survey with you because it'll create some great conversation around the table and allow us some data to mine through and say, maybe, maybe there's a series we need to do on this information. Maybe there's, this is something that we should do as a church on this so you are really helping us. Now, we're really being impacted right now. Um, by the Human Flourishing Project. And the Human Flourishing Project is based out of Harvard University. Um, and it's really fascinating um, what their studies, what their data, what their research is finding from years ago, pre-pandemic to now, and really being challenged by some of this. And, and, you, and you might be wondering, really, like we're, being, we're learning from Harvard University, like it's a really secular university. Yes, we know that. But it also has its roots in spiritual formation. Harvard began as an institution to raise up future ministers and leaders. And, and what's, what they're finding with the data, as the data tells a story, is that every institution, every place of worship, every business is having to ask themselves some questions. And so they, they challenged this, uh, us with an institutional commitment, three, times if, uh, three types of institutional commitment. The first one is this. Does your institution... Seek the good of the person or the family that's part of it. Uh, The second thing is, is it seeking the good of the world? And this one's the one that's fascinating. From a secular study, it's this. Is the transcendent or divine part of what you do? You might be wondering... Why would a place like Harvard talk about this? This isn't their this isn't their school of religion. This is this is how can we flourish as humans? Is because the fact is, as they interview thousands and thousands of people, it's in us to ask these questions that are transcendent. It's in us to wonder, to question. To explore what the divine really means and to do it with other people. As a matter of fact, one of the contributors who I enjoy, Dr. Tyler Vanderweel, he emphasizes being part of a spiritual community, of a faith community. And and here's what I like about this. Um, It's it's coming from social science, and, and if I wasn't a pastor, I would want to be a social scientist. I love math. I love data, I love people. And so putting all those together are really, really fascinating. Um, but, But he talks about it's not necessarily associating yourself with the faith community because there's an association. It's the causation. It's engaging a spiritual community. And you may have heard these stats before, this data, that people who engage a spiritual community have lower rates of all sorts of things. But what's funny is it's not the association. It's not just being around it. It's engaging it in a way that it causes you to do something. And I know we live in a culture... And somebody, some people will say a generation, but I wouldn't say it's a generation. I would say it's cultural because it's not just if you're 16 or 26 or 36. You can be 46, 56, 66, 76, 86. It's cultural because of the world we live in to assume because we liked a post, because we shared a post, and because we gave $5 to that endeavor, we are part of a movement. No, you are associated With the movement. The movement hasn't actually moved in you, hasn't caused a change in you. And that's the difference between association and causation. And causation has strong ties to there being change in our lives. You ever gone to see a movie? that really moved you, a documentary of somebody who did something really fascinating and you bought the ticket and you got your popcorn and you're sitting there, you know, those documentary movies are like three hours and you're in this little art house watching it and you're moved to tears and you walk out and you want to change the world and then you go to dinner and you just go back to your regular life. See, we associated with somebody by buying the movie ticket, but it didn't move in us in such a way that it caused us to make change. And when we have encounters with God, are we just around it enough? Do we go to church enough in this Western churchy way? Or do we engage it in a way that Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God brands our hearts? I know that sounds very violent, right? But sometimes it takes a violent move to get us out of the place that we're in a major, major change. So we can talk about this. We can talk about occasional Sundays. We can talk about the data. We can talk about being part of Gateway and and it's a safe place for you to be if you just want to explore faith. But don't miss out on the secret sauce of gateway, and that is the relationships, that is diving in to groups where we are formed and shaped by one another, where iron sharpens iron, where we can be ourselves, where we can truly just show up with all of our questions and doubts and fears and know that it is safe and that God is there. Don't miss out on that because it's the difference between associating and being moved to a cause. So we can talk about all of that, but we would be remiss to not really dive into Scripture together. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm going to start off with verse 5, and this, this message is going to be a little bit different because when we do stream our services, we do, we do hand off to the campuses, but our campus pastors are going to actually help me finish this message. So be on the lookout for, for Jesse and John and Eric and Norman and, and Kenny um, because we're going to, I'm, going to, I'm only going to speak for a few minutes, and then we're going to transition to your campus pastor, just living this out in front of you as a church. Here we go, verse 5 of Jeremiah. And this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Some of you are like, that's right, can't trust a man. That's not what it means. It means like men, not men. Yeah, all men. All men, can't trust any men. That's not where sorry. man. as far as humans, okay? Who trust in humans, who draw strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 6. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Let's end right there and go home. But, verse 7, but blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. And they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, that's how I want to be. I don't want to be worried about what's coming. I want to know that I can bear fruit, that my roots are growing. I hope that's a picture of my life. I hope that you want that for your life. So I took verse 5, that that really encouraging verse, and, and what I did was I broke it down through the Hebrew, through a Hebrew lens, not, not an English lens, a Hebrew lens of how that would be reinterpreted for us. So again, verse 5 says this: curses the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. And if you're looking at the screens, I put the key Hebrew words under those words that create a sentence for us. And with the Hebrew lens, here's how it would sound. So you're going to listen to me with the Hebrew lens, and I want you to compare it to what we just read. We place a curse on ourselves when we put our confidence in human systems. When we stand shoulder to shoulder with other human mortals and allow our inner selves to leave the one who caused us to exist. See, when you read the first one, the assumption is well, God's going to curse you because you've gone away from Him. No, 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 no. The context that's meant for us to understand is by our decisions, by the way we live our lives, we begin to take ownership. We begin to take ownership of our decisions and the path that we choose to go down we decide where our confidence is we decide if we trust humans or we trust god we get to decide and a lot of times and maybe the way you grew up if you grew up in church is like well god's going to curse you no god didn't curse you god did not make you quit that job our decisions to not show up well God has fired from that job oh god why is this happening to me God, I've tried to find a job for years, and it isn't happening. And I wonder if we've stopped and really taken the time to say, do I suck as an employee? I'm just going to let that sit there and marinate for a second. Because I can tell all of you business owners are like, please answer the question for yourselves. Some of you stuck on the word that I said suck. I'm sorry, but it doesn't get away from the question. What have we done to ourselves? How have we positioned ourselves? Where is our confidence? So if we chose this, And we went down this path and we moved away from God or we moved away from relationship that made us closer and drew us back to God, then we chose. So then verse six makes sense. That person, that person who chose, that person who chose will be like a bush in the wasteland because you chose, I chose. And they will not see prosperity when it comes because we quit the job and we didn't want to work and we, and we, and we. And and they will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives because we chose to walk away from health. See, flourishing isn't some supernatural dust that gets sprayed over you at a church. Flourishing is about positioning ourselves in a way to say, Okay, God, I have positioned myself, and it's this partnership together. So, according to the passage, how we flourish in our relationship, with God, how do we do this? Verse seven, but blesses the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And they'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams. And do not fear when heat comes, and its leaves are always green. You know that person that's just always happy no matter what happens? And they're so annoying. You want to know why they're so annoying to you? Because you're jealous. Growing up, my little brother—he was the happiest little kid. I mean, happy. He was. We always picked on him. He was the baby of the family. My brother, my middle brother, and him shared a room. My middle brother made him sleep on the floor for years, and my mom didn't know. Cause we could. We were the older brothers. And yet, he woke up with the biggest smile. Hi, Galitos. Galitos is like Carlos, Galitos, and he couldn't say it. Galitos. I was like, shut up. (laughs) Now he's 38 years old, and he's still that happy. So it warmed my heart this week. He's got three little ones and a brand new baby boy. It warmed my heart this week. I'm a horrible older brother. It warmed my heart this when he said, pray for me. I'm really frustrated right now. I'm like, finally. It took you 38 years to feel what normal people feel. I said, just take one of the kids and give them away and you'll be a lot happier, okay? So just... (laughs) And we laughed about it, but he was really, he was feeling a sensation he's never felt before. His leaves are always green. Everything's gonna be fine until that third kid, and it's not fine. And they have no worries in a year of drought and never fail to bear fruit. So how do we know if we're flourishing? Five questions. It's going to be a simple, simple message—a quick message for all of us as we dive into it over the next few weeks. Just wanted to set the tone. Here are the five questions. Number one: Where is our confidence? And many of us have struggled with financially over the last few years because of our industry that we're in got really impacted by COVID. And yet, some of us, our industry went off the charts in COVID. And yet, is your confidence in your industry, in your decision making, your money? Number two, where are we planted? Where are we planted where we say we're not moving, we are planted here? Number three, are our roots growing deep once we're planted? That's that's the key of this verse in verse eight. It says their roots grow deep out to the streams because the deeper your roots go, the roots are intended and are made to find sustenance. So if your roots aren't deep, you don't know how to rejuvenate yourself. But the deeper they go, the more you find the nutrients you need for the tree. Number four, what role does fear play in our life? It says here, it does not fear when heat comes, when the circumstances come, when the temperature rises, there's no place for fear because the confidence is in God. And it, they, they know they're planted. And they knew the root system's going to bring sustenance when nothing else is there. Why? Because there is no fear. It is set up that way. What role does fear play in your current life? And number five, are we bearing fruit? Is there fruit for our lives? And I'm going to speak to everybody who's um, already a believer in Jesus. If you're not a believer in Jesus, just listen to this. You, I think you might be encouraged by it, right? If you're a believer in Jesus, I want to ask you a question. Um, I've heard so many people at Gateway from other campuses and in North just say, they love Gateway, love our mission. And they say, man, I've been at Gateway 12 years. Oh, that's awesome. Been at Gateway 15 years, yay. I can't wait for next year when Gateway's 25. I've been here 25 years, awesome. And then I look at some of these people and I say, "So, tell me your fruit. And I don't know about the other campuses, but it got really quiet here at North. Don't tell me how long you've done something. Tell me how fruitful the thing you're doing has been.
1: So I'm going to pick up from there and just ask the question, in your life, how fruitful are your relationships? How healthy, how, how much flourishing are you experiencing? I think for me, these last few months, I've really come to appreciate um, a relationship that was always a struggle for many, many, many years, and that was a relationship with my dad. And, you know, last week we had to move him into a facility as his dementia and cancer have just made it very hard for him, and so there's my mom and dad walking into A place. He's only 74. Just a few months ago, he's playing pickleball and mowing the lawn. And just this last several months, things have just gotten really, really hard. But I'm grateful for my dad. We just celebrated a 50th anniversary. My parents, uh, my brother and I uh, just are so grateful for them. And, you know, now that we're parents, uh, show that picture of just me, my mom and dad. There's just this remarkable, look at the genetic connection between me and my mom. Isn't that kind of creepy? I am a male version of my mom. <laughs> now, you can't really see it, but I have my dad's skinny legs. That's definitely from my dad. And my short temper. You see, my, my, with all the great memories that I've had, that's not exactly how it was like for me uh, growing up. Uh, my dad uh, comes from a different generation, and, and I always struggle to know if he really loved me. Uh, in fact, I've kind of joked that I have a love hate relationship with my dad. I love him, and he hates me. <laughs> Uh, it's never usually funny, but, but I think some of you get it, right? And, and in part because what I needed from him, he didn't know how to provide. But I didn't know that for many, many years. I just thought there's something wrong with me that I can never quite do enough. And if I work hard enough, maybe he'll finally be happy with me. Maybe he'll finally love me. And some of this is subconscious, right? You, 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 you've struggled with that. And, and I want to just acknowledge right off the bat that I understand that I'm really grateful. I have a father who stayed married to my mom. And even though he was uh, present, there was still more I wanted. And I just want to say that if your relationship with your father has been difficult or if you've lost your father, or if you never had connection with your father, I want you to know God can guide you through this. But I can tell you from my journey, I mean, it started one of my first memories of something was off with me and my dad. It was, I was about 10, 11 years old, and he, I went up to go hug him goodnight. And he told me, Eric, you're too old to hug. And he gave me a stiff, firm handshake goodnight. And I remember shaking his hand very sadly and walking off only to see my little brother jump up into his arms and wanting that. And then my dad and I, we just always seemed to clash. And I remember in high school, I I wanted to grow my hair out long. If only he knew then, what we all know now, (laughs) maybe he would have been less reluctant. But we'd get in these shouting matches. And and then, I mean, there's so many different moments. I remember when I was engaged and my uh, fiancé, now my wife, said something to Mrs. Bryant, talking to my mom. My mom looked behind her for her mother-in-law and realized, oh, wait, uh, you can just call me Joanne. And my dad was sitting right next to her and said nothing. And so I found my dad later. I was like, dad, why didn't you say, call me Pat? And he said, I don't want her to call me Pat. I want her to call me Mr. Bryant. I was like, you want my fiance to call you Joanne and Mr. Bryant? <laughs> he said, yeah. I mean, I figure she can just call me whatever my grandpa name becomes. Well, so for six years, we didn't have children, and my wife would just wait till she got eye contact to start talking to him. She didn't know what to call him. And actually, one of the biggest fights of our entire relationship was the night before the rehearsal dinner. I had come home late. I'd been living out on my own in college, and now I'm staying at my parents' house. And, and I come home, and I knew something was off because all the lights were on, and they were awake. Normally, they fell asleep watching Matlock at like 8 o'clock, Right? And so I come in, and my dad is fired up. He is so upset, and he just starts yelling at me. What are you doing coming home so late? Don't you even care that we have this big event tomorrow? We haven't even talked about it? And I was just kind of overwhelmed with just all this rage and anger, and I, and I had this thought. I know it's not from God because it didn't work out as well as it had in, in my mind, but I thought, you know what? If I start yelling and screaming at him, I bet that will show him how ridiculous he looks and he'll calm down. <laughs> that is not what happened at all. I start yelling at him, How am I supposed to know what time you want me to come back? You never told me. And I'm yelling, he's yelling, and I cannot stop yelling at this point. Well, fortunately, I have a four foot 11 inch mom who is able to get in between us because, I mean, we were looking at each other eye to eye. I mean, there's spit flying and fist clenching. I mean, we were going to come to blows the night before the rehearsal dinner. But my mom is so loud, even though she's so little, that ear-piercing, screaming, it just was enough to just disable us both. So I went off to my room, he went off to his room, and nothing was resolved. More bitterness, more anger, more not understanding each other. And I had this habit. I was really trying to walk in my faith. And I'd been walking with Jesus at this point about four years and praying every night is is something that I had developed as a, a, a discipline. But I didn't want to pray that night. I was so mad. But then eventually when I did pray, it was an angry prayer. God smite my father, right? That kind of prayer. In fact, I remember specifically thinking, you know what? God, i'm gonna we're gonna because we were about to get married move to seattle and i was thinking god when we get married we move to seattle my mom can visit but my dad can't and i thought you know what actually even better he can come when we have grandkids right when we have children he can come visit the grandkids but they're gonna call him mr bryant (laughs) right i had this diabolical plan already And in the midst of the praying, eventually I confessed, but God, forgive me for losing my temper. I I shouldn't have done that. I know better than that. I wasn't even mad at first. I was just triggered. I was just upset at how he was treating me. And then I had this thought that I should go apologize to him. So I go into the room. It's dark. I kind of kneel next to the side of the bed where he's sleeping. and, And I just say into the darkness, Dad, I'm really sorry I started yelling at you. I'm sorry I didn't ask if you needed help for tomorrow night. Would you please forgive me? And then I heard a sound I, I wasn't really used to hearing growing up. I could hear my dad crying. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just having trouble saying goodbye. See, what I began to realize over the next several years is that hurt people hurt people that sometimes the wounds from our own childhood get passed on to our kids. And so even in these last several weeks, as we've been watching my father decline so rapidly, these last two days, we're just there. My brother comes into town, my wife and I were there, my aunts and uncles are all coming in to be with my mom, and she's been so heroic through this. She said, I I said, mom, I'm so sorry this is happening to you so young. And she said, you know, his dad died at 57. This is almost 20 extra years. And he had to retire at 55. He was an air traffic controller. One of the reasons he was such a stressed out dad, such a stressful job. She said, because he had to retire at 55, I've had almost 20 years with him at home. Just such a unique perspective. And so as we've been grieving and saying goodbye and and even before that, I remember, you know, I've been reflecting on what my dad has taught me and just how grateful I am for my dad, as wonky as things were. You know, it took counseling, it took being married with a a woman who has great discernment and wisdom. it, It took going through recovery, working the steps and learning my own issues and why is this relationship not flourishing? And I've seen progress. I was able to start looking backwards and seeing some of the ways he was showing love that was just different than ways I was looking for it. He, he may not have hugged me or said he was proud of me as much as I wanted growing up. But you know what? He was the guy I could go to to help me fix my car. He was the guy I could go to in the middle of the night when there's a storm coming and I'm afraid I may not get to the airport in time. And he would drive through that storm in central Texas to get me to the airport so I could fly back to see my family. He was that guy who would just faithfully serve behind the scenes at church to the point where eventually the pastor asked him to become a leader in the church. Not because of what he says, but because of the faithful ways he works and serves so hard. I also learned humor from my dad. When he was starting to struggle with his memory, I asked him, Dad, what, what do you do when you're forgetting things? Like, how do you handle that? And he said, or you just have to laugh about it. My dad loved to laugh. His favorite movies were the movies where everything was falling apart for the person on the film. The Money Pit, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The worst things happening for that person, the more hilarious for my father, right? Those were some of my favorite moments. Some of my favorite films, just hearing my dad laughing at all the tragedy for that other person, right? Right? And so I, I asked him, what, what do you do? And he said, I just laugh about it. And there was at Christmas. They were at my house. They were visiting and staying in my daughter's room since she was out of town. And he comes up that morning and he's laughing. And I said, dad, what, what's so funny? He said, you won't believe what happened. I woke up this morning and I looked around. And I thought, what am I doing in a teenage girl's room? <laughs> and who is this laying next to me? <laughs> he was like horrified. Like, where am I? And what am I doing here? And once he realized it was his wife, he just started to laugh. He comes out and tells me, and then he tells me three more times that day, right? But as I've been reflecting on how grateful I am that there has been a sense of closure with my dad in many ways. God, I know he loves me. It's just in the own way. He he didn't even get a handshake from his dad, right? He's been as emotionally available to me as he knew how. I'm so grateful for him. But then, as I think about flourishing in my relationships, it just dawned on me, I I have a young adult son. I've been so worried about getting my dad's love. Am I expressing my love to him in a way that he understands? Am I more concerned with how others that I want attention from than giving him the attention he needs? And so what I want us to do is just pause for a moment. I want to give you some time to reflect on some of these questions. We have something called Digging Deeper, which I encourage you every week to actually download, to actually look at the questions, to reflect on them, to read the scripture passages. This could be what creates that time with you and God each day. Or it could be something you discuss over lunch with your family or in your community group during the week. But I want to just create a moment for you to... Look at these questions that are coming up on the screen. And I want you to just be honest. Am I flourishing? Think of the areas of your life where you may not be flourishing. Allow these questions to guide your thoughts. Pray and ask God to to reveal to you what is it you want for me? What is the better that you have for me? If I'm just willing to choose you, step out of this land of cursedness into a land of blessing. And maybe these questions could also lead you to take this survey. If not now, sometime today, you could even look at these questions are about how are you flourishing? And we're going to be looking at these results over the next few weeks of what you're saying is true in your life. So just for the next two, three minutes, it's going to be a little longer than you're used to sitting in silence. So to help us with that, we have a keyboard playing, all right? But I want you to really allow God to speak to your heart. Just pray to him. Whether you walk with God or you're still not sure with God, just try it. God, show me what you have for me. Which areas of my life do I need help? And would you help me? These questions will be at digging deeper. You can spend even more time than we're going to give you now. But just for a moment, just take some time to connect with God in your heart. Ask yourself these questions. Let's do that in this moment.